I'm going to do a presentation, show a couple of videos, and lead a discussion. But the first, what I want to do is to tell you a little bit about the Truth and Democracy Coalition, and then about some of our upcoming events. So the Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America. We educate the public about disinformation, teach people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings, work with other organizations, and organize events and activities geared towards building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build communities of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. We will have our second nonpartisan Red Pills men's group. And so what we do at that group is we talk about women, relationships, politics, and life. And at our second meeting, we're going to begin our book study of the book, The, the Rational Male by Rolo Tomasi. And we will begin with the first section of the book, The Basics. So to register, go to tinyurl.com slash redpillmen. We will have the first of a series of planning committee meetings for our January 6th Remembrance event. We are planning our annual event to remember the attempted coup and insurrection against the United States Congress. It's important to remember what happened and not let the horrendous actions of then President Donald Trump and his extremist followers work to overthrow our government and install Donald Trump as dictator for life. In order to resist authoritarianism in America, we, we have to keep the events of January 6, 2021 at the forefront of people's minds. As we head into the 2024 elections with Donald Trump still the front runner for the Republican nomination. So we're gonna be organizing an event, an event in Whittier and we will help others organize events in their hometowns. So join us by registering at tinyurl.com slash Jan 6, 2024. And then finally, be sure to check out our YouTube page at youtube.com slash at Truth and Democracy Coalition. And be sure to like, share, and subscribe. So I'm going to lead a discussion about what's wrong with men and what to do about it. As a survivor of severe sexual abuse, I'm going to tell my story, address the problems facing men today, and talk about what we need to do to help men. So in this type of discussion, it's difficult to draw a line on what one should and shouldn't say. And a number of the issues are difficult to talk about. I don't want to name names or identify people, and I'm not, certainly not telling you everything. I'm only going to talk about things that are relevant to our discussion about men's loneliness and despair. I will try to find the right balance, and I beg your patience with me and with one another as we grapple with this difficult subject. Okay. 
So basically, I want to I want to show you another video here, and then we'll go ahead and go to our discussion portion of the um, presentation. Today is an awesome video. I came across some amazing data that tracks changes in sexual attitudes and sexual behavior over decades. This is a real treasure. This kind of data is extremely difficult to find. Anything that tracks trends over decades with any kind of consistency is very rare. Like look at this graph. This goes all the way back to 1937. And that is amazing to actually have data tracked for over 80 years. What you're seeing here is the percentage of men and women who were in love with their first sexual partner. Men are in the green and women are in the orange. As you can see, men are pretty consistent. It doesn't really change much. It just sort of hovers around 50% through all the decades. Women, on the other hand, have changed a lot. You can see that there's been this steady decrease and fewer and fewer women have been in love with the man that they lost their virginity to. Back in the late 30s, over 80% of women were in love with their first sexual partner. But by the time you get to 2014, that number had halved to 40%. That is significant because this may be the first time, perhaps in all of human history, that women are now less likely to be in love with a man that they lose their virginity to than men. But of course, they're going to continue with this mainstream myth that when it comes to relationships, and sex. Men are these disgusting hound dogs and women are these perfect angels and women are these hopeless romantics. And they'll, they'll keep pushing this line despite, you know, the existence of that irritating thing we call actual data. Now I'm going to show you a whole bunch of graphs in this video and they all tell a very similar story, which is one of increasing moral degeneracy when it comes to female sexual behavior as the result of cultural changes. So if you like it when women are feminine and modest and they inspire men to be better versions of themselves by leading, for example, you're probably gonna find this video pretty depressing. But on the other hand, if you like data and you like graphs, you're gonna love this video, so stick around. Okay, so continuing with this theme of women sleeping with men that they're not in love with, have a look at this graph. All of the lines that you can see plotted here indicate the year that's being sampled. So you can see the black line goes to 1971 and this green line here refers to 2015. As you can see in younger women, there has been a massive change. Like just a few decades earlier, only 30% of young women would say that they would be willing to have sex without being in love. That's not that long ago. That's just in 1992. But now, 80% of women say that they don't care if they're in love with the person that they're having sex with. And it's only a tiny minority that look for that prerequisite of love. You can actually plot this trend. You can see that every single year, love gets less and less important when it comes to sex. And there's every indication that that trend is going to continue in the future. Now, you might think that this just indicates changes in sexual attitudes across the whole culture, you know, where destigmatizing sex, there's less shame, you know, going through this sexual revolution. But if that was true, then it would apply culture-wide, you know, equally to men and women. But if we look at the data, we see that that is clearly not the case. Have a look at these two graphs. What you're seeing here is the percentage of men and women who have had at least two sexual partners in the last year. When I'm looking at this data, I always find it most interesting to look at the youngest demographics, the 18 to 24 year olds, because as the youth 
of the culture. They are the best barometer for measuring actual changes in attitudes. So if society starts to shift in their priorities and their beliefs, then those changes are going to ripple through the younger people first. Now you can see that for women, the number hovers around 35%, and that's pretty consistent. It's been that way for a number of decades. So you think, all right, well, that's not really interesting. It hasn't change, you know, it just stays the same. So that doesn't really indicate any shift in societal attitudes, except that it does when you realize that for men, there has been a massive shift. And then you start to ask, well, why hasn't there been a corresponding change when it comes to the data for women? So you see here decades earlier for men, the number was similar to women's, you know, it hovered around 40%. But now in 2015, it has halved and is less than 20% for men. That is an incredible statistic. It means that young women are twice as likely as young men to have had two sexual partners in the last year, twice as likely. That is a huge discrepancy and it reflects women's increased freedom to be able to indulge their hypergamy. At first glance, you think, well, this doesn't make sense. Why wouldn't the numbers be equal? For every woman that needs to have sex, there should be a corresponding man. So the, the numbers should be the same. But what you're seeing here is the societal trend for sexual access to be concentrated in the hands of fewer and fewer men. As women feel empowered to indulge their hypergamy, they only want to sleep with the top men, which means that those really high status individuals, those men who sit at the top of the pyramid are having lots and lots of sex with lots and lots of women, but the average guy is increasingly left out. This is a worrying trend because if it continues, it could lead to civil unrest, you know, because these men are not going to feel invested in society, they're not going to feel invested in their community, and that's going to lead to an increase in antisocial behavior. Now, there are a few other explanations as to why young men are having fewer partners, whereas women are not. One cause is that young women are more likely to be shacking up with older men. Again, this is driven by hypergamy. Women are seeking those top status men, and she might only be 22 years old, but why would she want to be with a 22 year old boy who hasn't achieved anything yet when the men in their 30s who are, you know, high status and high wealth, they're showing her interest. Like I've said in my other videos, when it comes to dating, being in your late teens and early 20s is one of the roughest periods of men because all of the women of your age group that you're interested in are also the women that every other man of all the other age groups are interested in. And so the competition is fierce and because you haven't really achieved much in your life, you're sort of at the bottom of the pyramid. Another explanation that is very rarely spoken about is that women are looking at other women as viable sexual options and just leaving men out of the equation altogether. Look at these two graphs. In this top one, you're looking at women who admit that their sexual attraction goes beyond just men. It used to be quite low, hovering at around 10% a few decades earlier. But if you see the figures for 2015, for young women, it has jumped up to 40%. That is a huge percentage of women who are explicitly bisexual. And there's every indication that that trend is going to continue. This bottom graph shows a similar trend. You know, back in 1992, only 5% of these young women had had a sexual experience with another woman. But come to 2015, that number has quadrupled to 20%. If you're an average guy in your early 20s and you want to have sex with a woman, it has never been harder. Competition has never been more intense. We are supposedly living in the age of sexual liberation, but for young men, it would be more accurately called the age of sexual frustration. Like look at these two graphs. You can see here that in 2015, the median number of sexual partners for women aged 18 to 24 
was five. But when you look at this graph for men, you see that their number of median partners is 2.5. This isn't some outlier or anecdotal evidence. This is data taken from an entire population of people. And it shows that young women have had twice as many sexual partners as young men. Like I said, it's the age of sexual liberation for women and the age of sexual frustration for men. So let's look at some other ways that women are becoming more sexually liberated. There's this graph which shows the average age that men and women were when they lost their virginity. The female line is orange and you can see this continuous downward trend where the age in which women were losing their virginity just gets lower and lower and lower. By 2009, it had gotten to 16 and a half as the average age for women. And that is 11 years ago. There was every indication that the trend was going to continue. So who knows how low it is now? I think we need to ask ourselves, is this a good thing? Is this actually empowering for women to be losing their virginity at earlier and earlier ages. And remember, if age 16 is the average, that means that there are many women who lose their virginity much earlier. Like for every girl who loses her virginity at age 19, there is another girl who loses her virginity at age 13. I don't know, I might be alone here, but I think that this trend is worrying. This is another interesting graph. This shows changes in attitudes for what sexual acts women feel are perverse. The green lines are their opinions in 2007 and the orange lines are their opinions in 2015. As you can see, everything across the board is less stigmatized now than it was eight years ago. Sadomasochism down from 75% to 58%. Group sex down from 64% to 49%. Porn from 25% to 16%. Just look at that entire trend, how much stigma has decreased in a short period, just eight years. And I don't think I'm being a sexual prude here, but I have to imagine that it's not fantastic news for all the fathers out there that their daughters are now growing up in a society where there's less stigma around anal sex and swinging. Well, I want to say this, that feminism has made men into better people. Uh, we no longer tackle or yell at, or at women. We allow them to be uh, our bosses, to judge us. We treat them with more respect. And we have had to grapple with our sexuality, with the, our tendencies through the, uh, in a way that, that women have not. And feminism has been very helpful to women. Women have gained more freedom. They can pursue a career. They can... They get out of these abusive relationships. Uh, feminism has been very beneficial for women. But as far as sexuality goes, things haven't changed from in, in their desires at all. And so men are still faced with having to make more money, having to be um, dominant, but having to the same responsibilities, the same criteria are are being used to select men that were used in the 1950s the only thing women have become now is more entitled entitled to the to the only the best men to have sex with um exploitative they're making bank off of men's loneliness and despair uh, you can't turn around without some scam or or you have to be careful about some what some women actually wants out of you um 
when you try and enter into a relationship, you go on these dating sites and you run into people who want to catfish you and, and try and ask you for money and, and scam you in some way. And, and abusive, I mean, um, in the sense that, well, they're pretty abusive when you go out on dates sometimes. And they're abusive, their newfound power, their newfound freedoms. So um, there's a lot of people are banking. This, this guy we listened to for, at first, and the psycholog, evolutionary psychologist banking, that women can't change. But I think there is some things that can change. Some of the more recent developments, maybe there could be changes or we can at least raise our sensibility, do some consciousness raising to, to make people more aware of what's going on. And that way, and maybe we can get to a point where certain things like saying that women don't need a man anymore because they make their own money, such a ridiculous and horrible thing to say. Uh, what really women don't need men's money anymore, but that's not what's being said. You know, our, our attacks on, on men as uh, being um, the perpetrators of much of the sexual immorality in the world. Um, so there's a lot of things that we can, we can do, and there can be some change. How much? I don't know. Um, are women incentivized to change? Maybe not. But, but I think that we can make some changes and we can certainly try to help men. And that's what I've been trying to do. So I want to take some questions. So Jeffrey, why don't you, if you want, turn on your camera and then um, go ahead and tell us um, your story here. Thank you. I know for some, I know since high school that people tease me about my feelings saying I'd like to be a girlfriend and then next thing next thing they just said to gotcha you know that kind of I don't like being teased like that especially when they play with my feelings and they and uh, yes they had I was almost catfished one time one time uh, through Instagram but uh, luckily they told me luckily my staff told me that if, if it is a catfish attempt they said they said uh, post a pitch request that they post a picture of themselves with a sign that way to know if they are real and not a cat catfish catfisher she never did it so i did just blocked her oh very blocked good her. and uh, i just say hated the whole, whole playing my feelings thing being autistic and all yeah and it just they just hated it and as for those uh two two people in the on the they were called the, the Columbine student, Columbine shooters. That just seeing that reminded me of of a shooting shooting I almost attempted. Almost attempted. Yes, at, at my at my college. Yeah. I was at, almost at the point. Just thinking about it just hurts me. I I just almost committed a great great sin. I just really, I mean, I'm just really trying to make up for it. Well, if, that you, part. if you didn't do it, you're a long way. My fear, my fear stopped me. I spit it out what I was, what I wanted to, what I was planning to do. Yeah. I was lucky I didn't go to jail. I went to the hospital instead. Okay. I'm glad. Eric, go ahead. 
Hi, yeah, I, a lot of this is sort of sociological and historical, and I'm just wondering, is there any, are you, Richard, aware of anyone who's um, leading any movement to maybe change marriage laws um, away from the no-fault, um, you know, but I'm not looking for just an automatic return to some kind of traditional backward thing, I, you know. Um, I haven't done that. I have not done that much research on it, but uh, have, are you familiar with any movements to that effect, Richard? You know, I'm not. We are doing our red pill men's group at some point. We may do some advocacy for certain things like that, but um, yeah. right now we're not near that. You know, one thing I want to say about that monogamy, I mean, when, when women, you know, we often think that, you know, women were, I don't know if I said this, that women were oppressed, that they were um, chattel, chattel and, and they were forced into these polygamous marriages because they had no other choice. And that's a part of women's oppression. And monogamy, but monogamy was really created to create more even access for men so that men could have a wife and have a woman. That's what monogamy was created. Um, for and when we look at it now, we we, we really come have to come to realize and see that um, polygamy, some type of polygamous relationship, is really it's not it's women's natural state. It's where they will naturally go. They'd rather live share a high value man than be stuck with a um, low value loser. You know, so um, so that's where we're at right now. Um, but hopefully we'll be able to look at some of these laws. I think the laws on prostitution are very unevenly enforced. And, you know, there's things that women can do that that men would get arrested for and be outed to their wives. So um, there, there's there's laws we can do. Um, right now, we're just at the point of consciousness raising. All right. Thank you so much. Um, Eric, for your participation and for coming. Okay, uh, let me get you in here. Okay, YJ, you're up. Go ahead, unmute. Hey, hey Richard. Thanks for arranging this meeting, man. So um, I know this is a focused on men, but as a trans person, I feel your arguments are also ignoring a lot of the trans movement and what the potential for that would be for fixing these problems rather than trying to go back to what it was in the old days. So um, I want to say that, um, and one thing I didn't mention is that I date both straight and transgendered women. So, and, you know, like I was saying that men have a wide sexual palette. They can date, like I was saying, they can date old, fat, young, old, young, old. And I think that transgender, for I mean, this is my perspective, transgender women are just another form of women. So in other words, now transgender women also pick up the same mentality that women have. They have the same mentality. And... Uh, but the problem I have with the transgender com community, at least, you know, I'm not on the men's transgender men, but the trans 
transgendered women is most of them, a lot of them are prostitutes. And so when I go to a, a club to meet transgendered um, women, um, I'm inevitably faced with um, a lot of prostitutes. I was lucky to find one who is, is not. But in this sense, for me, I know one thing is for sure, that the transgender woman I'm dating now has genuine sexual desire for me. I know that that's true. And I th think it gives men, if they're able to do that, more options. You know, we don't have to stick with a woman who's going to take advantage of you, rip you off, and then leave you when you're down on your luck or when you're sick or when she's through with you or when you're not needed anymore. And these, their sexuality is not going to turn off, you know, for a lot of transgendered women. They're going to, especially ones who, who don't have a complete sexual um, transition, um, who, who, in other words, who keep their penises, their sexual appetite is going to be strong. So there's a lot of benefits to dating transgendered women but what i see is that transgendered women are just another type of women that men can be attracted to and i am i'm not sure how that goes for transgendered men though um and i think it may be tougher but they definitely have to look maybe in the lesbian market i really don't know much about transgendered men but um that's how I feel. So the role that transgendered women can play is in if they want to, if they can't, if they're, but many of them will still be hypergamous. You know, transgendered women still take on the mentality of men and um, can still be hypergamous. The, the reason that my, um, the girl, the woman I'm dating um, is because she makes much less money than me. That's one thing that is for sure. I don't know, but but the good thing is, you know, half the battle is to find a woman who has genuine sexual desire for you. So um, I don't know if that answers your question. Well, so, so perhaps you misunderstood. Well, first of all, I'm I'm sorry that your um, experience of trans women has been so limited. Um, there's a, there's a very large in thriving community of trans people in Long Beach. Um, and I hope you, you get to meet them one day and they're not pr prostitutes, they're just normal people like me. I'm an engineer, by the way. Um, and I'm actually non-binary. I'm not, I don't consider myself a woman. And my argument was more that perhaps society needs to reduce the, the boundaries between men and women. Maybe there needs to be less difference between men and women rather than trying to go back as you as you seem to be proposing to the old days and well, actually move forward. Yeah, yeah, that's one thing I'm not proposing. I'm not proposing going back to the old days. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I'm just not proposing that. I think I would like to see women change, ideally. I'd like to see women um, I don't, you know, like I go dating with women. It's like, what do I have to do? Commit my whole freaking life to you just to have sex? I mean, what the heck? You know, why Why are they holding, you know, just because I'm not a top tier man, are they attracted at all? You know, so um, 
anyway, I don't know where that. So I I would actually like to see some some change in a positive forward direction rather than going back. And I think a lot of the red pill groups, their politics suck, and that's one of the reasons we're doing a nonpartisan one so that we can get the politics right. Um, but we can see how the situation is and, and how what the evolutionary psychologists are saying, and we can see how our sexualities, I mean, I think men have changed, you know, but um, we, in all, almost all of us still have a Neolithic or a Neanderthal type of sexuality and um, to some extent, and certainly women have that Neanderthal era sexuality. And so, um, but li like the guy said, going back doesn't seem to be the answer, only going forward does. And the question is really, um, what can we do to help men, right, who are going through this struggle? And then also, can are women capable of insight and change? Are they capable of that? And um, so, no, I don't, I'm not, ex I don't want to go back to some traditional thing, although it's important to recognize why those traditional things existed in the first place and not to just condemn them. Um, when we find out something is so different than how we thought. Does that better answer your question? Uh, yes, thank you. Okay. All right. Thank you, YJ. Is your democracy flaccid? Then you might be one of the 330 million Americans suffering from electile dysfunction. I get all excited about a new bill. Right when we're about to achieve a joint resolution. Premature capitulation. Filibusting just doesn't make me feel good anymore. Fortunately, the Freedom to Vote Act ends your floppy relationship with politics by empowering everyday citizens and healing our democracy. Talk to your senator about the Freedom to Vote Act and demand more satisfying elections.